Hello and welcome to the Found Cause. We're found on cause and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my left is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Sebastian, it has been a while. I know not to our viewers. We had like a two-week silence, and then we started re-uploading again. It's just me. I got married, so you're seeing the state of my married apartment, which has many a boxes for my dear wife. Um, Sebastian, on the other hand, is still my dutiful co-host and is here again after a little bit. I am encouraged to do another episode we don't have theodore today so this is a regular deep concept episode first of all sebastian i know that you like read and do things that i don't so you had some news updates for me that uh, the audience would be interested in yes yes and i want to make sure we're up to date with everything there's been well this was discovered earlier in, in last year now it's been published because of covid and all of that you know there wasn't really much travel but in israel in mount ebal which is in Palestine area. E-B-A-L, I remember that, yes. Yep. From, if you know your Old Testament, from the arrival of the Israelites, mm-hmm. there was a tablet, tiny, tiny tablet, probably like this size, you know, tiny, found there that said in an ancient Hebrew script, so not the Hebrew that we all see nowadays in Israel, but way, way older and different than that, that reads, cursed, cursed, cursed. Cursed by the God Yahweh. You will die cursed. Cursed, you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, cursed, cursed. Not only do you see... Encouraging. Sounds like a Joel Osteen sermon. (laughs) (laughs) I would be shocked if I hear the word cursed ever come out of the mouth of Joel Osteen. Uh (laughs) Anyway, this has been mind-blowing at least for me i was falling asleep uh, while i was reading this so and then i was like holy smokes i realized what this actually implies as i was reading and seeing more comments on this what is the significance not only you see the word three in there you know like holy 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 cursor uh-huh allusions to the trinity of course but that's <laughs> <laughs> what it is but okay <laughs> but it mentions the name of god Yahweh, as we mm-hmm. assu- assume it was pronounced back then. And this is the oldest pretty much inscription in Paleo-Hebrew, whatever you want to call it, found to date. Also, the oldest mention of the name Yahweh. Mm. If you are familiar with liberal scholarship from right. Germany and all of that, they say there were two traditions. There's the worship of Elohim, the worship of Yahweh, and then they all merged together and somehow formed the Bible. Putting that all that aside has been kind of dealt with for the last century and a half. This really confirms what happened in Mount Ebal. I am very positive about this. A lot of other professors that I've listened to are very encouraged from this. They don't think this is a joke or like someone just trashed the place and left this. They actually say it would be from the time period. It moves the arrival of the Israelites a couple hundred years earlier than, than what was thought. Same with Exodus. Does it really? What's the time period on it? It was from the 14th, if I recall correctly, 14th century BC. Okay. So, anyway, anyway. I don't know that I trust all that data. I mean, I would yeah, so that remains to be, that remains data. all the years, exa- all the okay. exact dates remains to be confirmed. Nonetheless, it is encouraging that it has the, na- the name of Yahweh in there. Mm-hmm. And it is found in the place where in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, it's called in Joshua, was called, called the council of there to curse the... Yeah, they have the, the, the cursings and the blessings, if you remember. So they, uh-huh. uh, like half the Israelite tribes stand on Mount Ebal and half them mm-hmm. and 
Jezreel, I'm pretty yeah. the mountain. Uh-huh. And then they shout all the blessings from one mountain and all the cursings from the other mountain if they disobey God. So um, maybe it's related to that. Maybe it just happens to be a cursing tablet that's found on the mountain. But in any case, it has the name of Yahweh, which to regular Christians means yet yeah, nothing because we are, yeah, we, that, that would be the name of God. But to the liberal theologians who believe that Yahweh is some like other God, later invention, whatever, um, it's just more proof that the Bible is actually true and is not an amalgamated, later edited text, which is good. Yes, and what this also suggests is would be that even if not all the Jews arriving to Israel at this time period knew how to write, at the very least, a very elite group would have known how to write, which means that they would be capable of writing the events right. as they are occurring, as the invasion of Canaan is happening meaning moses would have been able to read to write down the stories so tell me sebastian how is this related to the episode's title oh Uh title there's title there Uh you might be asking how am i gonna how am i gonna go from this wonderful news from an ancient tablet Mm -hmm. found? well how do we know anything about mandibal how we know anything about joshua we know that from the old testament but how do we actually know what the contents of the old testament are are they legit that someone just, some Jew conspire and make them up, just mm-hmm. throw random books. I like these stories. These are cool. We're going to throw them in there and we're going to listen and read them and, and read, read them in our synagogues. That's what this episode is about because in our Bibles, there's two competing Bibles. If you're, no, you're, if you're Roman Catholic or Orthodox and if you're Protestant, you're going to notice your Old Testaments are slightly different. The Catholics are going to have books extra books you might be familiar with maccabees first and second maccabees and the protestants they have they don't have those books so we're going to talk about why yep all right that was my transition that was great beautiful wow and you know we could have done some like a crazy intro involving peanut butter and taking off our shirts and stuff but now that we're maturing and i'm a married man i can't be doing that kind of crazy intro stuff so i appreciate that smooth intro Yep, like you said, Sebastian, today's episode is on what's commonly referred to as the Apocrypha. That is those extra books that Sebastian mentioned that are in quote-unquote Catholic Bibles. Um, I, a lot of Catholics don't end up using even Catholic Bibles just because they're thicker. They have those extra books. Um, but Sebastian's got a sample of what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, plus the Apocrypha. Mm-hmm. There's a tradition that the Septuagint, when it was originally translated, and if you haven't heard another podcast before or another podcast, the Septuagint was uh, a ancient attempt by the hebrew scholars to one compile all of the old testament into one big scroll set or book and then two to translate it into greek so kind of like the niv or the king james version of the bible except of the ancient times because many people spoke greek so they compiled all the hebrew writings into greek um, it wasn't quite as scholarly as even the king james version of the bible translation or modern translation so it does have some errors um, that we or at least perceived errors that we can see um just like any translation might have. So keep it that in mind. If you think like Septuagint is the pure text, I would say it's probably not, although there's some reasons to think maybe it's closer to the original Hebrew. In any case, um, many would say that it also had the Apocrypha included when it was originally translated, i.e. maybe the Jews respected these things as scripture, these extra books. Um, Others would say that later Christians added to the Septuagint the Apocrypha because these were books that they knew should be related. In any case, um, you have them in this version of the Septuagint, and Catholic Bibles will add them. They're not unknown scriptures. They're not hidden scriptures. They're not some history channel, secret scriptures that nobody wants you to read. I personally have not read the Apocrypha, and I'll tell you why. Me and Sebastian, and most every Protestant, rejects the Apocrypha as scripture. Honestly, I mean, 
I know I disagree with Catholics on a lot of things, and I don't think they have the proper gospel, but I also think they should reject the Apocrypha. The early church rejected the Apocrypha as scripture. Mm-hmm. So in, in summary, the Apocrypha, we keep calling it that, it's extra books, um, it's, it's additional books. There are other books that are, aren't in the Apocrypha that are considered extra biblical sources, most famously the Book of Enoch, we've mm-hmm. talked about it in this podcast before. Mm-hmm. That's an extra book that was written um, probably late late in the um, intertestamental periods, that is after the last book of the Bible is written in the Old Testament and right. then before the first New Testament book. There's a fan fiction essentially about Enoch, who's a, a man who really did live, um, one of Adam's early descendants that was taken up early. Um, there's this fan fiction about him written that has some details about what happened between the creation, the fall and the flood. Um, it has some inconsistencies within itself and the rest of scripture is also dated pretty late um now liberal scholars date like everything late so i'm kind of reluctant to use that as the main reason we reject it but it's it's ultimately rejected from scripture it's not even put in the apocrypha there are other books like that that are complete garbage um for example there's a ton of gnostic gospels and literature that aren't put in the apocrypha and history channel specials late at night will tell you that they're the ones that <laughs> bearded theologians at the council of nicaea decided to reject and that they're hiding the fact that jesus had kids or whatever else blah 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 they are like late inventions way after the original gospels are written often they have anachrona anachronisms in them about things that weren't existing back then um right they're just simply terrible um, the apocrypha exists somewhere in between so it's not the gnostic heresy stuff uh-huh. Um, we have done an episode on Gnosticism. Read them. I actually cite from them. You hear about the creator of the universe being mother, father, man, woman. Okay, again, yes, very consistent with the Old Testament. They say, no, <laughs> Just kidding. God is the most, it says God is in the Old Testament is the most disgusting being out there. Obviously the same, you know, message being sarcastic. Uh-huh. So you can check out our episode on Gnosticism for that. But the Apocrypha, you were saying? Um, it's much more in line with uh, the, like, Enoch style of book so something that people at the time read um some would argue that jude and second peter are quoting uh, mm-hmm. or at least referencing the stuff that's talked about in the book of enoch in their portions they talk about angels being chained after um the the flood or near the flood mm-hmm. and so that's something that's said in the book of enoch uh, arguably that is yes that peter and jude are talking about the events that were referenced in enoch but are also just like in the cultural milieu of judaism at the time and i would assert are also true things about the culture you at the time mm-hmm. um, simply because they're quoted in scripture and we believe scripture is God inspired however the most important thing about the apocrypha is that just like the book of Enoch they are not included in what the Jews considered to be holy scripture and I'll say that is the linchpin for what we would consider to be Old Testament scripture um, Jesus holds the Jews to account for what for having heard the word of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus famously quotes the Sadducees. He says, have you not heard, have you not read what God spoke to you when he said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. He's not the God of the dead, but the living. That's, he's quoting it to the, to the Sadducees to show them that God has commanded them um, as the living God. And he's the God of the living, not the dead to Mm -hmm. show that there's a resurrection, blah, blah, blah. But in doing that, he also tells the Sadducees that God spoke to them when they're reading his words. So it's not a man's interpretation of what God said to them. It, ac- it actually is God's word. So we'd quote that to say that God's word was and is available. And secondly, that they were held account for knowing it. So Jesus holds the Jews to, to account for knowing it. Mm-hmm. They don't need some special on high revelation of what the canon is. They know the canon already. 
And what the Jews held to as canon in those days, they would lay up in the scripture segments of their temple. So in the, the temple in Jerusalem and in other synagogues, they would lay up in a storage area, um, in a special scripture storage area, the Bible, the word of God. Other scriptures were held in scriptoriums and libraries everywhere. So it's not like these other scriptures were ignored. It's how we have Tobit and um, Bell and the Dragon. And Enoch. These, e- Enoch, exactly. So other, other writings, but they're not considered the word of God, the God-inspired scripture. Um, and the original translators of the Bible and the seminators of the Bible, the early church fathers, knew this and noted this. There's a very famous church father named Jerome. He was one of two early church fathers to speak Hebrew. And maybe you want to touch on this, Sebastian, because you're yes. a church history buff. Yes. And before we go in that direction, I do want to mention why you might even care about this, why this is important. Well, this is an issue that divides Catholics and Protestants. There's that today. Yeah. Right? Or do you want to save that for later? We can why, probably save it for later. Yeah. Got it. I'll, say, I'll save it for why this is important. Okay. And let's spi- let's let, let me spice it up too. I want to say before I, before I forget about what you said from Jesus, God spoke to you at this moment. Mm-hmm. A lot of the New Testament quotes not directly from the Hebrew Bible that we have today, but actually the Septuagint. So that's I would say yeah. makes things more interesting. I d- and the many of the sep- and many of the Septuagints that we have they include the or quote unquote they include the Apocrypha. So I think that makes it more interesting. We should figure out why. Or how how can we know if these books are true scripture or not? I think it makes mm-hmm. it more interesting in that sense. And then when it comes to the early church, we have Flavius uh, Josephus, a Jew. He was around during the destruction of the temple. He's the source that gets gets us the statement of the te- the scrolls were laid up in the temple. Yep. And there were the pro- the Protestant amount that we have nowadays were laid up in the temple in Jerusalem. That's so how we know that. Many early church fathers. While they were many, who, especially who were non-Jewish, they believed that these, I'm going to call them fan fiction, Maccabees, Enoch, all of them, they were not, actually not Enoch, but uh, Tobit and Book of Wisdom. They were scripture because many Jews held them in high regard. That was the problem. The more time that had passed after the life of the apostles, the less and less people that could read Hebrew or were influenced by Hebrew culture. The church became Gentile. So less and less people are actually aware of what Hebrew culture is. The Jews are mm-hmm. kind of like sitting there on their own. They're no longer when affiliated with Christians. There's that divide. That's why you have that dissonance of why would some early Christians think these books are, are good and why we should include them in the canon. Yeah. We come to Jerome. Jerome was... oh. I'm, I'm, I'm even going to ask, I'm just going to tell you, I was going to ask, how many people do you think until the Reformation that we know of could read and write in Greek and Hebrew pretty much fluently? Only two. Only two. That's 1,500 years in which only two people that we know of could do that, Origen and Jerome. That's because nobody really cared about Hebrew after exactly. a bit. Yeah, they'd all use Greek sources. Exactly. And the Septuagint is actually at some point held like the KGB only mm-hmm. movement. So that was, that's pretty, again, I get, I get distracted. It's pretty interesting. Jerome does cite, and he, in a, in a letter to Augustine, it's around the time period, you know, in the Pelagian heresies, are a lot of interesting movements happening there. Jerome translated the Bible using sources from Hebrew and Greek into Latin. Why? Because most people in Western Europe only spoke Latin. So what's good having a Greek Bible? Yep. Again, encouraging we should translate our Bibles. Right. How ironic that 
a Catholic. Yeah, his translation, actually most ironic, is that Jerome translated into Latin the common tongue of the people, and it's used for so long that it becomes the definitive Bible that nobody can know, like, in the Middle Ages, people, laymen, regular people, so non-clergy, can no longer understand Latin. They understand German or Italian or French or whatever, um, but... Jerome's translation, which was supposed to be the everyman's Bible, is now held as the holy language. And if you don't speak it in Latin, it's not legitimate Bible words. Um, and people aren't allowed to read it and blah, blah, blah. And, it's and if you translate it, you will be executed. That's right. what happened to Waldo. Even Peter though Waldo. it is a translated text in and of itself, which again is just ultimate irony, but not the original intent of Jerome. Jerome mm -hmm. is translating it to a common text to the people. Yes, and he does cite... In his research, because again, he could read Hebrew and he went to the Holy Land to gather sources and interview people and get all this information to make a good, I mean, in his opinion, or like for the standards of the time, a good translation. And he cites our standard books in the Old Testament, merges a few like anyone did, you know, the Book of Kings, Samuel. It wasn't first, second Samuel, it was just one Samuel. Yep. And then, as then, the church reads Judith, Tobit, and the Book of Maccabees. But oh, this apocryphal books. Yes, yes. These are not in there. These are apocrypha, as you said. But does not admit them among the canonical scriptures. So let it also read these two volumes, Wisdom of Solomon and Ecclesiasticus. Apocrypha again. Mm -hmm. For the edification of the people, not to give them authority to doctrines of the church. I say this to show you how hard it is to master the book of Daniel, which in Hebrew contains neither the history of Susanna nor the hymn of the three youths, nor the fables, Bell and the dragon. All of those are also apocrypha books. Bell and the dragon, the history of Susanna, the, the extra endings of, of Daniel are not in the in your regular Old Testament. They're only in the apocrypha. Mm -hmm. are, they, are they cool stories? I like Bell and the dragon. Pretty cool. But I don't think Daniel, we're discussing, I think Daniel was around the time of Cyrus the Great. And... Again, no Jew either. Jew like Philo of Alexandria or uh, or Josephus discusses discuss these books as being as being part of the holy mm -hmm. uh, Torah de Tanakh either. So there's that. Yep. And I and and really it's as simple as that. I mean, we can keep going into evidences, but I think it's strong enough for your regular Protestant, a regular person, to say the reason we don't hold to the extra these additional books as scripture is because. God's people didn't, right? They were considered to be extra. They were considered categorically different. They were included often because the Jews considered them important books. And so they were published, like we said, with the Septuagint, as you can see right here, right? Septuagint has the Apocrypha inside of it, um, typically. And so early Christians also would republish the Apocrypha, considering from tradition that it must be decently important, as Jerome says, at least have the people edified by reading them, but just know that they are not given authority like scripture. They're not called canon meaning the actual scripture the actual god-given word and so uh, they were always categorized and separated from scripture for the most part responsibly from mm -hmm. responsible christians um, and so we reject them as scripture we don't reject them as books or ancient literature absolutely and they're definitely related to scripture but they aren't scripture themselves now the the importance here is that Catholics and Protestants obviously have their big breakup in the Reformation. If you're not familiar with that, I don't know where to send you. There's so many resources out there, it's hard to count. But when Protestants and Catholics have their big breakup, um, Protestants at the time, it's this this humanist push. And not the humanism of today, but humanism back then was was 
um, scholarly research. And so part of scholarly research was happening in the Roman Catholic Church prior to the Reformation and then at the Reformation time as well was about going back to the sources of things. So going back to where Jerome and then and uh, the original translators of the Vulgate and trying to correct some of the mistakes that were made. And Erasmus, Roman Catholic of the time, um, was busy going back to the original Greek sources and trying to figure out how to correct some of the mistakes of the Vulgate that had happened over the centuries, over the thousand plus years that had happened. And in this movement, um, the, it happened to coincide with Protestantism. Um, there were many who were questioning the sources of the Bible, making sure they're going down to the original sources, and therefore also were realizing that many traditions at the time had indwelled like, in the Apocrypha because it was printed in the Bible. They figured they were kind of one and the same. A lot like any person who picks up the Bible that has the Apocrypha is going to consider the Apocrypha, even though it's in its own little section. They're going to yeah. be like, okay, it's all the Word of God because here it is in the same book. Um, so too did some country bumpkin priests or, or whole countries what have you. Um, so at the time where they're all returning back to the sources, it was popular to say, oh yeah, and like, just so you all know, the Apocrypha is, is not scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's also extra money to, to put in print. And so this is the time of mass printing is just happening. So they're mm -hmm. trying to cut as many costs as possible to get the Bible in as many people's hands as possible. They're all about questioning sources. So the Protestant movement suddenly becomes really big into just acts in the Apocrypha from their printings of the Bible altogether because it's not scripture. It saves money and it's not like straight from the source. So wouldn't you want to be like a cool rebel that only gets the real God's word? So because of that, the Protestant movement starts, again, printing Bibles without the Apocrypha. The Catholics do that too because it saves money I and mean, everybody benefits from it however when the catholic church starts freaking out about the protestant reformation um they also double down on having the apocrypha as one of those ancient tradition things and the tradition of the fathers and the heritage of the church and so they start having a bunch of apologists defending the apocrypha as true god-given scripture and the pope comes out with a statement that the apocrypha is part of the holy canon and so today catholics hold to the apocrypha as being integral to their faith even though they hadn't prior and it's always been categorized differently and it was never held up in the temple the same way and they quote augustine who again early church father it didn't know any better didn't read hebrew thought that the apocrypha was laid up in the same section as the rest of scripture by the jews and because he thought that was the tradition of the jews he considered the apocrypha canon but he didn't know any better and he used the logic that jerome also did except jerome knew better and knew that they did not lay the apocrypha up with the rest of scripture so by Augustine's logic, we should not include the Apocrypha. Catholics quote Augustine to say we should include the Apocrypha. And equally, Catholics quote all sorts of popes, things. There's really not much significant in the Apocrypha. So is it a hill to die on that you exclude it from Scripture? I don't think so. I don't really care, though. It's such a home <laughs> run that the Apocrypha is not Scripture um, that it's almost not worth debating with Catholics. And frankly, there there are some debates out there. If you go, there's a, a James White debate from years ago, um, part of his many Catholic debates, that talks about the Apocrypha. Um, I think the Catholic soundly loses there. It's not even close. But the Apocrypha itself, it really isn't significant whether you have it or not. The only thing that I know of that Catholics like mm -hmm. to include the Apocrypha for, besides the fact that it's just different and makes them different and like they're holding to tradition and really cool ancient church, um, is that there's one quote from 2 Maccabees, you know, one of the many random books of the Apocrypha, that has some pagan Jews of the day who are idolizers. They've got idols under their clothes. Um, they just fought a battle and many of their compatriots died. And they go out mourning for the people that died and praying for their souls. And it's and Second Maccabees says this was counted to them as righteousness. It was righteous that they went out and prayed for these fallen soldiers. Mm -hmm. Catholics use that. So in the bare face of it, I'll say it looks like these men are wicked men. <laughs> but 
the fact that they cared about their fallen compatriots and were praying on their behalf is a good is a, is a good sign for them, right? That they've got some remorse for the fact that their compatriots have died. And so that's why it was counted to them as righteousness. Catholics, on the other hand, say that these pagan Jews actually were praying for souls in purgatory because how else would you pray for the dead? And so therefore, purgatory must exist because it was counted to them as righteousness or praying for these souls. I think, first of all, I don't even respect 2 Maccabees as scripture, so, you know, check it out at the gate. But secondly, even if we do count it as some sort of authoritative source, I think the textual source itself is not talking about any sort of purgatory or the fact that it was an effective prayer for the dead. It's just that these men who were evil pagans were praying for their fallen compatriots, praying to the God of heaven and earth, so that was their righteousness, which the fact that they were reaching out to God, not that they were indicating that purgatory exists. So double whammy there. Catholics quote it sometimes when they talk about purgatory. It's really the only part of scripture at all that could possibly point to some sort of purgatory. So they, they need to reach down and grab it. Um, another reason they defend the Apocrypha. But otherwise, do you know any important notable things from the Apocrypha? It's kind of a... It's like fan fiction. It's yeah. like I, would, I treat it the same way as Enoch. As I said, I really like Bell and the Dragon, but it's a conditional story from the time of Daniel. You can clearly see it's not historically accurate at all it's just cool like the the, the priest and all of that the statue the, the food disappearing but nope theologically i don't i don't see any any significant any significant issues in my humble in my humble opinion and you might be saying now michael and sebastian you clever calvinists why should we take you seriously we know you're not catholics we're not and you'd be right we're catholics with a maybe what a small C, but yeah, because yeah. we're part of the church. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, you have to take this from just us. There have been prestigious Catholics that have talked on the same issue. Not only Jerome, who is considered a doctor of the church, yeah, yes. wrote the Latin Vulgate, right? Uh huh. Gave us the Latin Vulgate, exactly. We also, contemporary of Luther, we have Cardinal Cayetan, who interviewed him inter- more like interrogated him like told him stop stop uh-huh. with that silly lutheranism stop with your rebellious uh, preaching and sit down and shut up anyway he did write and originally in latin but in an english translation would be here we close our commentaries on the historical books of the old testament for the rest that is judith tobit and the books of maccabees are counted by St. Jerome out of the canonical books and are placed amongst the Apocrypha along with the Wisdom and Ecclesiasticus, as explained from the Protobus Galeatus. Nor be thou disturbed, like a raw scholar, if thou shouldst find anywhere, either in the sacred councils or the sacred doctors, these books reckoned as canonical, for the words, as well of councils as of doctors, are to be reduced to the correction of Jerome. Now, according to this judgment in the epistle to the bishops, Chromatius and Helodorus, these books and any other like these books in the canon of the Bible are not canonical. That is, not in the nature of a rule for confirming matters of faith, yet they may be called canonical, that is, in the nature of a rule for the edification of the faithful, as being received and authorized in the canon of the Bible for that purpose. By the help of this distinction, thou mayst see thy way clearly through that which Augustine says and what is written in the Provincial Council of Carthage. 
So that's very fancy speak, 1849 translation. I'm glad I could say that. Yeah, nice work, man. Um, But in general, here's a Roman Catholic cardinal at the time of the Reformation still saying that, and quoting St. Jerome, saying that, yeah, these books are not canonical. Even if you hear people calling them canonical, you're either misunderstanding them because they're saying canonical as in like they're useful or they're just flat out wrong and they should have been corrected by Jerome. So here's a Roman Catholic cardinal saying they're wrong. Again, it really should be a ecumenical issue that they're not scripture. Yeah, there were many people also for the record, like Athanasius. They listed some as being canonical. And then Epiphanius of, Salam- of Salamis, he cited other books as being from the Apocrypha, of course, what right. I'm talking about. So they, they re- matched every once in a while. So, for example, some would include Maccabees, others would not include Maccabees, others would include Tobit, others would not. They, there was no really consensus on which one should be in there. And there wouldn't be until, it wouldn't be the case until in the Council of Trent, oh my gosh, 15, either 45, 45, I want to say 45, 1545, I should know this by heart, 1545 in Trent, in which it is officially canonized. So whenever you hear someone out there say Catholic Church has always believed this from day one, like, no, got it from a cardinal, got it from Jerome, a doctor of the church, and also from a pope, Pope Gregory the Great. He's called great for a reason. Really early on for the record, so it's right there around Jerome's time that Pope Gregory the Great would be talking, but he is a pope who are supposed to be infallible for rules of faith and doctrine. Mm-hmm. From Gregory. We are not acting irregularly if from the books, though not canonical, yet brought out for the edification of the church, we bring forth testimony. So he's saying they're not canonical. They're good. They're great for the edification of the church, but they're not canonical, meaning they're not part of divine scripture. Yeah. Wow. So I think we've basically closed the matter. We don't believe in the Apocrypha. I think it's a pretty close case. Why? Um, that it's not God's word. It doesn't mean we throw it out, that we burn it. I personally haven't read it. Apparently, it's good for the education of the church. So this is our, some of our church fathers. I haven't been identified in that way then. Um, but once again, it's not God's word. And therefore, although Roman Catholics make a fuss about it being canonical, really just as a way to distinguish from Protestants and maybe to get that second Maccabees quote in there about purgatory, um, it doesn't prove purgatory, one. And two, there's really no good historical reason to call these scripture, um, except that they're ancient sayings. And so, again, you can put them as contemporary readings alongside your Bible, but they are not scripture themselves. And now you know more about the Apocrypha. Do you have any final words of wisdom before we leave our audience? The only gentle correction i would say is that pope gregory the great lived in the 600s oh and darn then, okay 300 years after no 200 it's 200 200, 150, 200. Right. so just a gentle for any fact checkers out there just a gentle correction thank you, you historian be, yeah you might be saying why, why why even bother with this i think it is important to know and then we can trust that the word of god we have what god wants us to have i see that as an encouragement you have outside verification of events that happened so many thousands of years ago. Like what I mentioned, that's the weird tablet cursing Canaanites. Yep. And despite all the time that has passed, despite all the violence, all the wars, wars, excuse me, or any turmoil, the word of God still stands. Mm-hmm. And you can be sure of it. You can read it in the original language, in Greek and Hebrew. You can have a blast while you do it. I mean, probably me, probably not you or most of you, but I, I enjoy it. For those who enjoy extra biblical readings, and I'll say, I'll ditto on you, Sebastian, for as much doubt as some atheists and others and other cultists and other things like that try to put on the veracity of the Old Testament, you can see the kind of rigor that even the, like, the layman, like me and other Protestants and whoever else, um, that 
take for granted when we read through the Old Testament that the Old Testament books really have been put through some pretty intense, rigorous scrutiny on what belongs in the Old Testament, what does not, what is actually the Word of God and what is not. And even these edifying, appreciated, quoted books are not considered canon, not considered actual scripture. So all the more you can trust books like First and Second Samuel, like Genesis, like Exodus, like Leviticus, like the rest of the Old Testament, because they have been put through the kind of standards that we hold scripture to need to have. That is ancient tradition, that is being held up by the Jews of the day, that is holding up to historicity, all of that. So I trust the Old Testament as God's word, so did Jesus, and so did Jesus hold that against the Jews of the day for not having read it. So all the more woe to us if we don't hold to the Old Testament as well. That being said, that's why we have found our cause in serving that very same Lord Jesus Christ. I've been Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my left has been... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Thanks for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can foundcause.podbean.com. I saw recently that one of our debate reviews is blowing up, so maybe we'll have to do another one. Until next time, we talk about something completely different. Thanks for listening. You can catch our podcast on Podbean and download our episodes there for your listening pleasure that's audio only though you can go to facebook.com forward slash found cause you want to see our pretty faces we're also on youtube of course search is there found cause and we're also on itunes spotify and wherever else you may find your podcast so until next time like i said see ya bye-bye bye